a good thing to know for new businesses is sometimes you have to put the brakes on, uh, on sales and success a little bit. And there was a lot of things that customers were asking me to sell and carry. Uh, but I just kind of decided early on that I'm not going to try and sell everything and meet the needs of, of everyone. I'm just going to sell a couple specifics and meet the needs of a couple customers and do that really well, instead of trying to chase all these different dollars and all these different areas and doing none of it well. Welcome to the Invest Local podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Well, welcome folks to the Invest Local Podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm McDonald, and joining me today is Adam Hickman with Foxhound Bee Company. And it is, as you might guess, a beekeeping uh, company, but th there's a couple different lines of business and I'm excited to, to hear about them. Um, you don't just sell equipment, uh, you don't just sell honey, and you don't just teach people. It sounds like you do all three. So thank you for joining me, Adam, and I'm excited to, to dig into to what you do a little bit. Yeah. Hey, Malcolm. Thanks for having me on the uh, the podcast. I really appreciate just getting the chance to, to chit chat and talk about Foxhound and where we came from and where we're going and what we're doing. Um, I feel a little bit um, out of my comfort zone a little bit because I'm, I'm a little bit different than I think a lot of businesses <laughs> out there, um, but both in the nature of my business and then also kind of how I got to where I am today. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, it's probably not the most typical business that we, we would have on here. I think um, using, I don't know if you, do you call it livestock, um, live animals, live insects? <laughs> livestock, it's a pretty accurate way to describe bees. I mean, they're a lot closer to, to, to cattle and horses than they are to a lot of other things. So. <laughs> than a physical product. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah. So, so tell me, how did you, how do you get into beekeeping? Um, and you know, you said you, you, I know we've talked some, you have a little bit of an unorthodox entrance into the space. So, um, yeah, start, start back at the beginning. So I got into beekeeping just like uh, most people got into it. It is just a hobby. Like I thought it was cool. Um, my great grandfather did it. Um, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know he did it until after he died. And I saw some of his old beekeeping equipment, uh, at my dad's house and, I just asked what it was and my dad explained what it was and he wasn't a beekeeper, but he knew enough about it. And I heard some stories and that was 2000 and that was 2000 when I was hearing those stories and I just wow. kind of stuck with me and I decided to, to do it once I got a little time and money and space. And I, I really loved it. Um, I started, I think about eight years ago, just started with one hive and I just really, I just really enjoyed taking care of bees and, and watching how they work. Um, so that was, that's the, the genesis of, of the hobby, but that has definitely grown into, into a business. Well, what, so pause there for a second. I know it, it's, I mean, bees are so, so fascinating. Um, obviously they're, you know, they're dangerous, but then they have this like incredibly cool output. Um, but, but you mentioned taking care of the bees. Like what, what was it that really drew you to, to even doing it as a hobby? There's just so much that is interesting about honeybees. I mean, they are one, they're, they're an animal, they're a livestock, uh, but just, they're really just, they're a bug. I mean, people, it makes me feel weird that I'm like, Oh, I just, I take care of bugs. Cause right. I'm not, a, I'm not a bug guy. I'm not, you know, I don't, 
I don't like have, I've never had like terrariums full of bugs or snakes <laughs> or any of that kind of stuff. Um, besides them just being a bug, they are just interesting creatures. They do so much for our environment. They, uh, they pollinate a lot of our plants, um, but they're not the only pollinators out there. They get a lot of the reputation, but they're not the only pollinators. Uh, and, and when it comes to actually taking care of them, you know, they're, they're wild animals. They're, they're not domesticated at all. You cannot tell a bee where to go. You can kind of steer them in that direction, but you can't tell them where to go. Um, so that, that makes it always a little bit interesting. Every, every year is not the same. Uh, it's a little bit unique, um, but the, uh, when it comes to actually taking care of the bees, there's, there's a lot of things that are interesting from uh, building the, the equipment, the woodworking, understanding weather and weather patterns, there's a bit of astrology that kind of comes with it as well. Mm, okay. There's the, there's like, there's the, uh, there's sweat, there's sweat, equi- sweat, um, sweat equity from just like, you just have to work hard and it's a lot of the stuff is in the middle of the summer and it's hot and you just have to do it. And that's, that's very gratifying. So all those things kind of come together to really like create a love for taking care of bees for me. Mm, that's awesome. So, so you started as a hobby, you had one hive. Um, at what point did you say like, okay, I could, I could make money doing this. I could, I could turn this into a business. So I've, I've always been a little bit of a, a businessy person. It was elementary school when I had my first, uh, I call it my first money-making scheme yes. uh, where I would walk across the street to the golf course and I would, I, I bought the specialized tool, which was if you would combine uh, a rake and an anchor together. And I would take this thing and I would throw it in the ponds and I would drag golf balls up from the golf course. Yes, um, I love it. And then I, and then I would sell them to golfers. Let's go. <laughs> so did that you, was. Did you polish them up or did you just like just straight flip them? Oh yeah, you know you gotta you gotta clean them up a little bit and you gotta pull out the noodles and the all the the Titleist Pro V ones and all that kind of. <laughs> so you gotta pull out the good ones that you sell for more. So I've always had that little little knack in me for for doing something like that, not because I'm trying to make a ton of money because there's not a ton of money in flipping golf balls, uh, but just because it's fun, just because you, you take right. something that has no value, a golf ball in the, in the bottom of the pond, and then you flip it and you, you add value to it and you yeah. get money for it. And, and money is kind of the easiest way to say, hey, this is working. And so when it, when it came to like beekeeping, I was, I was taking care of a couple of hives and it was, it was such a pain to get equipment. And the only person I could get equipment from in the state of Alabama, which is where I'm at, is I had to get on a waiting list for some guy about two hours away and it took three months to get equipment. And the order process was typically you called him and he wrote it down on a piece of paper and hopefully he didn't lose it. So anyways, there was, it was hard to get supplies and that kind of put a, um, put an idea in me that like, okay, well, if, if this is hard for me, it's hard for other people too. Yeah. And then maybe I can kind of leverage just a little bit and, and, and pay for my hobby. That's really all I wanted to do was just kind of pay for my hobby and have a little fun. And, uh, and, and it just turned, it just kind of bloomed from there. Um, honestly, bigger than I kind of ever thought it was going to be. That's amazing. I, I love that. Um, if it's, yeah, if it's a pain point for me, it's probably a pain point for other people. And starting there is, uh, is, is always so cool when you, when you're trying to solve your own problem and then, um, then you find out, Oh, there's a lot of other people that have the same problem. And so what did you actually start with? Um, did you start with, with selling honey or equipment or did you, did you just blow it out and do the whole thing all at once? I started with equipment. So the, uh, the, the, 
the equipment was the, the pain point and I kind of started buying equipment for myself in bulk and then just kind of selling off the, the extra stuff that I basically didn't need. Uh, and that's kind of how I started. I was just doing the equipment that I used. And then from there, I kind of started expanding a little bit more and a little bit more. A good thing to know for new businesses is sometimes you have to put the brakes on, uh, on sales and success a little bit. And there was a lot of things that customers were asking me to sell and carry. Um, but I just kind of decided early on that I'm not going to try and sell everything and meet the needs of, of everyone. I'm just going to sell a couple specifics and meet the needs of a couple customers and do that really well instead of trying to chase all these different dollars in all these different areas and doing none of it well. Um, so um, I was very limited on what I started with um, and only only after having extra time and a little extra money, I started branching into um, other categories and other types of equipment for bees. That's so cool. You know, I love that. I mean, I've always been a proponent in a small business. You've got to, you've got to juggle, you got a lot of balls in the air that you're juggling and you got to wear a lot of different hats, but, um, but it's kind of, you know, keeping that in mind, but also, you know, following the whole, um, you know, it, it's better to, to whole ass one thing than half ass two things. So how did you pick which thing you were going to go all in on? And then how did you know, when you'd gotten to a place where you're like, all right, I can, I can branch out. I can add other products. It was really what I knew. Uh, so I, if, if I knew the product and I knew the equipment and I felt confident about it, then that is just going to translate well. And that's going to help me to, to sell the supplies rather than I really don't know what this thing is one, because I don't use it Two because I'm a beginner beekeeper and then I'm trying to sell it to you. I just, that just didn't seem like that was going to translate very well. Right. Uh, so really it just started with what I knew best. Um, and, and as I got more experience, I started selling this other stuff and I didn't, I didn't use it, but I had enough experience to know uh, what it was, how it works and, and how to sell it to people convincingly. Yeah. So, so as you add these other lines of business um, and now you've got, you've, you've added classes and, and, you know, tutorials and all that on top of it, kind of, kind of the content side of it. Now that you have, you know, your, your hands full, so to speak, and, and doing all those excellently, how do you, how do you now balance, you know, you've gotten past the education phase where, you know, you're, you're an expert in, in maybe all of those now. Um, how do you balance those three very different types of lines of business? You know, you got a physical product that, you know, you're doing some, some manufacturing on, it sounds like, which, you know, I'll, I'll get back to that, but some kind of manufacturing and production, um, and then a different type of manufacturing and production on the, on the honey side, and then kind of a content education piece. H how do you balance your, your time commitment and, you know, and, and where does revenue kind of um, pull you, um, if, if any one direction? So I've got to back up. So I don't do them all accidentally. I do. I just do them all. You know, some things, some things I definitely do better than others, but I don't do them all excellently. And that's kind of one of the problems with being uh, a solopreneur uh, per se is that like you, you are pulled in so many different directions and, and sometimes these, these balls uh, fall to the ground and you don't get to um, do everything well. And um, that's kind of, at, I'm at my point where I'm really stretching in a lot of different directions. Uh, but the uh, between classes and equipment and honey, I'll start with the easy. But honey is is really just a byproduct of what I do. You can't keep bees without getting honey. Typically, right. so honey is not my main uh, source of revenue. I never base my business um, on honey, but I do sell it, and uh, I guess you can call it like honey money. Like it's just kind of like side money that you don't really count on. So 
that part of my revenue for honey is just kind of small. And then there's classes and equipment and, and classes was born out of the same uh, environment that equipment was, is that I was, it was a pain point for getting equipment. So I kind of met that need as best as I could at the time. And then there's classes and I, like, I really like personally, I really enjoy teaching. I think it's a lot of fun. I love doing it. Um, I like kind of explaining things to people um, in a way yeah. that they can kind of understand them as, as best as I can. Uh, and what I was finding is it was in my beekeeping communities um, and then also online as well, is that you had a lot of people uh, who were very good at beekeeping or seemed very good at beekeeping who were just telling beginners what to do. And beginners were getting frustrated because they're being given advice that maybe should not apply to them. Um, uh, and yeah. And it was, that was really hard. It was really hard for me to sit in a room and, and not have the stage and be listening to somebody who has a stage giving terrible advice. Uh, and, and it's, and that's just not like my opinion, but for example, there's two different types of hives that people will keep and they're very different. And the tradition, the traditional one, 90% of beekeepers use. And the other one is not traditional and it's only about 10%. So you have this, this beekeeper who has the stage and a, a student asks about this, this 10% hive and like, hey, what do you think? And, and the teacher's response is, you're not a real beekeeper if you keep that other hive. And, oh, and, wow. and that's just like, that's just discouraging. It's, mm -hmm. it's not true. Um, and it just comes out of like, it's, it's my way or the highway. The way I do things is the best way. And I just, I just saw that happening um, and, I ha and I saw it happening a lot. Uh, so I just kind of was starting to get to a point where I could teach. And the, the, the easiest thing to do was to write a blog, honestly, is that you could, you could just start creating content and writing and, and teaching people that way. Uh, and then I kind of progressed into a point where I can actually have like in-person classes and I can open up a hive with people and show them things and give them some encouragement uh, so that they can get into beekeeping with the best equipment that works for them, not just what everybody else uses, but what works for them. Yeah. So do you see a lot of people that come on, consume the content and then just kind of go about their way or do a lot of those end up becoming customers or, or do your customers come and enjoy the content? Like, do you, you have a good sense of, of, you know, what's acquisition and what's retention in terms of, of your customer base and their, their content engagement? I wish that I did have like better numbers that says like, okay, this percentage of people who visit my website actually make a purchase. Uh, but the late in 2020, um, I switched from using Squarespace um, to using uh, WordPress slash Shopify for all of my um, content and then sales. Mm -hmm. And Squarespace did not do a very good job at reporting that kind of stuff. And I had so many other things I had to do that I really couldn't pay attention to it. But I do know that I was getting orders from people I didn't know, which, which kind of sounds kind of, you know, funny uh, now that I think about it. But like, I just remember that first order that came from somebody I didn't know. And I thought, you know, I look at it, I'm like, was this a mistake? Did they, <laughs> <laughs> why are they buying my stuff? Um, but like, you know, I just know enough that like good content uh, creates good relationships with, 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 uh, with potential customers. And then, yeah hopefully that turns into a sale in the long run. And, and I know that is happening. I just don't know what the, um, I don't know how I can uh, put a number on it at this point. So, so tell me a little bit more about your, your actual hive. So, you know, you said you started out kind of buying in bulk, just, just kind of reselling and, and, you know, being more efficient in the, in the kind of 
order completion process. Um, so where are you at now? What, what, what is your, your kind of uh, procure, procurement and, and or manufacturing look like for the products that you sell now? So um, I have a lot of different suppliers and I never wanted, even though I like woodworking and I like building stuff and I'm like, right now I'm talking to you with paint all over my hands. Like I like doing that stuff. Um, yeah. But I also know that like I am one person Right. And I've, I've had some customers that were like, they're like, they kind of like, I can kind of tell, I can read between the lines that like, they think that I'm not doing it right unless I'm making everything. That's just not sustainable to like try and make everything yourself. And like you said earlier, you're just gonna, you're just gonna do like everything terribly if you try to do everything. Um, so I don't manufacture my supplies. What I do is I get the, I sell the best quality I can within reason. Like for example, all of my woodenware, which is what beekeepers call the hives, the, the structures the bees live in, it's all made of cypress wood. Uh, whereas nearly all of my competitors use pine wood. And cypress wood isn't like, it's a great wood for keeping bees in because it just doesn't rot. You don't have to, you don't have to paint it if you don't want to. And a lot of my customers, they, they buy cypress because they love the way it looks and they love that wood grain and they just yeah. want to, they want to put that in the, outside in their backyard and they want to look at this pretty nice wood and not just have to paint it. So like I sell really high quality stuff as best as I can right now. I think there's some tools where I'm just like, that's not the best, but it's the best I have available to me right now. I wish I manufactured more, but it's just, it just doesn't make good business sense. It really doesn't to, to do all of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, at some point you have the economies of scale where as long as you can get good product, um, if you're really going to scale, you're, you need to be able to, um, you know, ship a lot of it. And so I think pick, yeah. picking the things that, you know, that need to be high quality or, or custom or, you know, high touch, um, and then not focusing on the things that don't is, right. um, you know, it's something every business has to do. Um, what about the bees? Do you actually, do you sell um, bees or, or do people have to go elsewhere if, they, if they're actually getting bees for the first time? So right now they do have to go elsewhere. I do keep bees. I am a, I am, I am a beekeeper. Um, and I'm actually, I'm actually like a master beekeeper, which means that I don't ever make beekeeping mistakes. Uh, no, not really, but, uh, there is a certification that I have, uh, that says that I'm a master beekeeper, which actually was one of the hardest things that I went for. And, that's pretty uh, impressive. That, that sounds, that's, that's a pretty cool title. A master beekeeper. Like, I know, it sounds legit, doesn't it? it? It really does. It really does. I'm impressed already if I wasn't yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I do keep bees. Um, but the, the selling of the, the bees and the selling of the Queens and all that kind of stuff, it takes a lot of time to do all that. And it also takes a lot of space to do that as well. Um, so what I have, I've always been a kind of proponent of like, helping the beekeeping community um, and that that kind of goes both ways in that I really like I did a talk last week um, to beekeepers talking if, if you were a, a third or fourth year beekeeper uh, there um, this is something that you should do um, and you will make money doing it basically and I just kind of talked about selling bees and selling a, a certain type of equipment that the bees come in and if they could sell it for two hundred dollars um, and they could sell it to a beginner beekeeper, they make 200 bucks and the beekeeper that's starting gets a really good product um, compared to the alternative. Yeah. So like my, what I have done for a couple of years now is like if I have people who are looking for bees, I've got a short list of places of, of beekeepers in our area that I recommend. And I'm like, okay, if you want bees, 
go to these people. They do it best. Uh, if you want equipment, you can get it from me. And we just kind of refer each other back and forth. And basically that helps them and, and they help me. So um, I don't sell bees, but, but I just, I, I kind of have an in with a lot of people that I can recommend for them. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, sometimes that's, that's um, just as good as being able to sell it yourself. If, if, if you're a, a trusted resource and they can actually know where to, to go and do that, I would, I would be, it's one of those things I feel pretty comfortable, you know, uh, Googling things that I need, but, um, but something like that, um, you kind of want to know that you're going to the right place. If you're, if you're buying again, you know, livestock essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So like I you can't, say, you can't get them off Amazon, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, you know, three things that you can't get off Amazon. Yeah. So, um, so actually, and that kind of brings me to my next question. What, what is the best kept secret of beekeeping? Like what, what is something that's really cool that you just don't know unless you're in the space. On my assumption when I was getting getting into bees is that it's just a box and there's a whole bunch of bees in it and something about a queen and they're all just making honey. <laughs> um, and that's what most people think. They're just like, okay, they're all bees. They make honey. That's what they do. Like what else is there? But what is, what is so interesting is when you, when you get into it is that you have, you have drones, which are the male bees. You have the queen, which is a female. And then you have the worker bees, which are also female. And, and the worker bees, they do so much work and, and they have these jobs and they change as they get older. And when I say they get older, I mean, I say like, you're an old bee if you're 60 days old. You're wow. a young bee if you're one day old. So they go through probably around seven or eight jobs in that 60 days, which is kind of like amazing. Like, it's not just like they hatch and they make honey. It's the, they only make honey the last 30 days of their life. Before that, they have all these other jobs and they increase in uh, difficulty and responsibility as they get older, which, and it's just kind of like, if you, like, if you think about like raising kids, you're like, it's the same type of thing. Like when they're, when they're like three or four, you give them certain responsibilities that you don't give when they're like 18. And I didn't realize that before I got into these. And I thought like, Hey, these things are organized. Like they're, they know what they're doing. They're good at it. And they just manage themselves for the most part. Um, but uh, that, that is something that I thought was um, very cool. And I love sharing that with, with people who are just from the regular public um, because they don't, they don't realize they have all these different jobs. That's wild. So they, they go through stages and produce. And, and then what happens that, I mean, I guess, do they, they literally only, only live for 60 days and then they, they die? Yeah, uh, it's it, like roughly 60 days. And um, like I put the number 60 on it, but you have, uh, you have bees, they have worker bees that like live during the winter and worker bees that live like during the summer. And the, the analogy that I give is that like a worker bee's life um, is not really measured in, in, in days. It's really measured in miles flown. So during the summer and the spring and the early fall, these bees are working sun up to sundown, literally um, once they get to that honey producing age and they are flying constantly, the sun is up there and it's warm enough, they are flying. And they get to the point where they have flown so much that their wings, they can't work anymore. And then they, they just die. Um, wow. So you kind of compare that summer bee that is working nonstop to that winter bee who is staying warm inside the hive. It's too cold for them to fly. They're kind of hibernating and they're going to live um, 120 days, hundred days because they're not flying as much because they're not working so hard. So, um, so it's really like they kind of they really work themselves to death, um, which is, which is interesting. I mean, you yeah, can't say. I mean, that's wild. like you can't, 
you know, if you, if you want to try and like personify it and say like, that's terrible, but like, really they're just trying, they're working for the, the benefit of the colony, not for the benefit of themselves. So I need to yeah. find some, I need to find some employees like that. <laughs> that's right. I was like, man, wow. <laughs> that seems like a, um, a metaphor for life. I don't know what part of life. But, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's like something there, but you're like, yeah, is, should I encourage this or discourage this? Right, right. <laughs> it is. Um, maybe, maybe it's. Uh, maybe it's a self care. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, thing, yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you can stretch out your lifetime by taking breaks. So, how much honey does a does a normal like single hive produce typically? I know you said it can kind of vary. Yeah, it definitely varies um, because it's agriculture and it's a crop. It depends on the, the seasons. Of fully established colony that has like good resources and has comb to store the, the nectar and turn it into honey and uh, they can make five gallons of honey, you know, pretty easily. And it's, and that, that doesn't come through any manipulation of the beekeeper. That just comes from the bees, just work ethic. And they're, they're, uh, they're like carpe diem. They're just saying the sun is up. Everything is blooming. I'm going to work <laughs> as hard as I can until I can't anymore. Uh, and that's, and that's what they're trying to do during the spring. They know that winter is coming, you know, they don't make this, they don't make their honey for us. They make it so that when it's the dead of winter, they have something to eat. You know, they can, they can make five gallons of honey or they can make zero. So yeah. it's not like you can set up a couple of hives in your backyard and say like, well, Adam said, I got five gallons coming in a couple months. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of pests that make beekeeping difficult, uh, that can really, uh, wreak havoc on the, the health of the colony. Wow. Yeah. So do, do a lot of your, your customers or students, are they beekeeping as a, as a hobby or are you kind of assisting other small businesses um, that, that are, you know, creating and, and selling? So what, it always starts as a hobby. So it, they, they get into bees because they think it's cool or somebody in their family did it or yeah. a swarm showed up on their front porch and they thought it was cool and they decided to get into beekeeping the next year. So that's how it always <laughs> starts. Um, that, I mean, that's like, that's true. That's how people really do get into no, it. That's, like, that's yeah. how I would get into it. I'd be, I'd be like, what the hell just showed up on my porch? Like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make money out of this. Yeah. Like, let me take care of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, um, so they, they start bees, they start taking care of bees because it's interesting. And then you kind of get into it and you think like, well, they make honey, they make wax. Uh, apparently I can sell these things to beginners for $200. I like that. So they start thinking like, okay, what can I do with these things? And so like, just like take wax. Like you can, if you're into woodworking, you can take the wax and you can melt, melt it down with some olive oil and make some, uh, like a really cool finish for wood. Um, or you can make candles and, and burn and burn them. And they last twice as long as a soy candle. Uh, or you can make like lip balm. So there's all these things that you can make with like the products of the hive and even just honey. I mean, you think like I could make the honey isn't just honey. It's not just put it in a jar and, and sell it. You can, uh, you can infuse it with chili peppers or you can make something called creamed honey, which is not very popular in the United States, but they kill for it in the, in the UK. Like there's all kinds of stuff that kind of goes into it that piques people's curiosity and they kind of dive into it a little bit more. And then they start keeping bees to support their wax making or their candle making or whatever. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rabbit hole. I guess I can just put it that way. It's a rabbit hole um, yeah. when you get into it. Well, it's interesting that you, you know, technically it's, it's one thing beekeeping, right. But, but there's so many different products that can come out of it. Therefore there's, there's all these different motivations <clears throat> for why you would want to do it in the first place, which is, yeah, it's just fascinating. Um, 
that that's really interesting. So what what's one of your biggest pain points as a small business? I know we've, we've talked about a couple of things, but um, at the end of the day, like what, what keeps you up at night um, when it comes to beekeeping? I think it's, I think it's all the things that are kind of left undone. Um, I think as a small business owner, your to-do list is, is ongoing and it never ends. There's always something that you're just not getting to. Yeah. Um, and even if you feel like you're getting things done, there's always something that is, that is not getting the attention that it deserves. Um, and at, at this point, I'm just like, I needed this 2021 is a year of delegating for me. It's of getting other people trained to help me and all these different things. Um, I've, I've worked on hiring some people virtually to do some things for me and that has been helpful, but it's also been a, a work in progress. Uh, and then also getting people like in person physically to help me with my business and getting fulfillment done and getting orders out and and talking to customers. So um, I'm looking forward to this year getting some more delegating done, uh, but uh, that has definitely been my pain point of just leaving things undone and being frustrated about it. Yeah. So now that you've, you've added or are going to add people, what's, what's kind of the next phase look like? What, what are your plans for, for the future? So I've got this like, short list of stuff that I just haven't, haven't done well. Like for instance, uh, like product packaging. Like I have great products and they just show up in a brown box and they just don't, they, you know, they, I'm just leaving. They just, I don't feel proud about that. Uh, and, and a lot of, one of my sales channels is Amazon and uh, Amazon does a really good job at making it difficult to communicate with customers. Like you just can't, there's just so many barriers that make it so that like, so that Amazon is the supplier and not the small business that's sending it to Amazon. So uh, so with that, you have to do, a, you have to do a great job with, with packaging and, uh, mailer, like not mailers, but like, um, the inserts that go in the packaging and, yeah. and they say like, Hey, you bought this widget. Here's a video on this widget that you can come watch. And then I can get people to come to my website and possibly buy from my website instead of from Amazon. So there's that, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that has kind of been undone and, or not done well that like, I really once I start delegating some more uh, tasks to other people that I can start getting this stuff done and, and doing the things that I can only do, like create videos on how to's um, so that I can get customers more engaged. Yeah. What, what advice would you have for, for somebody who's, who's kind of building out and an e-commerce, um, you know, arm to their business? Um, what, what do you wish that you knew um, when you started that, that, um, that you figured out along the way? Uh, I wish I knew that Bitcoin was going to go up as much as it did. <laughs> there you go. Don't we all, Adam? Don't we all? <laughs> um, no, for like the business stuff. I mean, I, you know, when I started, I didn't think that doing this full time was possible. Uh, this, I mean, we didn't really kind of get into uh, the, the, the time where I was kind of grinding it out in my garage until two o'clock in the morning, getting orders out and all that mm. stuff. That's, that's all that's all part of this physical product e-commerce business is you've got to do that stuff because um, if you're not willing to do those things, um, then, uh, then maybe it's not the right business uh, because those, those things are hard, but they're also character development developing and you, you make mistakes and you make small mistakes, which are like, they're like small mistakes are great mistakes because that means you're not making a huge mistake. And I could, you know, you, when I'm getting started and, I thought I was going to sell a certain type of hive and I produced a lot of them and I sold none of them. 
Um, and that was, that felt like a huge mistake at a time, but in retrospect, that was a small mistake and I was able to pivot, um, but with only investing $500 into the, the project or something. So, yeah. um, has that been kind of, um, have you done that with, um, with, with subsequent product lines where you've, you've reduced your, your kind of, um, original order count until you figure out what the demand is going forward? Yeah, exactly. So like, I've got a great example. So. Uh, I sell like gloves and I sell suits and jackets. Like think about like the white suit that beekeepers use and the leather gloves. Yeah. So I, I was like, all right, Adam, you're going to be the guy that sells extra, extra, extra small, extra, extra small. small. I'm going to, I'm going to sell every single size so that I'm going to be your guy when you need a bee jacket and you're, you need a custom size. You know, I thought I was going to be doing that. And the same thing for the gloves. And what happens is I sell the, extra small through the two XL gloves. And what was happening, I was giving customers too many options for those. Um, and when I look at my Amazon returns, I get a lot of gloves returned uh, just because people were like, I don't know what size glove to buy. So I'm going to buy the medium, large and the XL, and then I'm going to find which one fits and I'm just going to return the other ones. Whereas if I, maybe if I only sold the medium, large and XL, and that was the only option I sold, then maybe people wouldn't do that. And, and, and I, in retrospect, I wish I would have just started out with the core sizes and met those needs and then kind of started to expand those other ones if I wanted to. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of that, you know, where <laughs> that's, that's my kind of low strategy. If I'm doing a home repair, I'm like, I'm going to buy one of everything. So I don't have to come back here and then, um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll figure yeah. out the rest. Granted, I'm terrible at returning things too. So most, most of it actually just ends up sitting in my, you shed, just buy but, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they win in that case. So I don't know, maybe you'll have that luck in the future, yeah. but no, that's, that's really interesting. I, and I think, um, there, there is something to be said for giving the right number of options. Um, because it, it is, it's easy to confuse your customer, you know, and it's something that seems like a benefit from your perspective. Of, yes. Yeah, yeah. You want the, the size of glove that fits. Um, that's kind of a duh. Um, but it's like, if I've never done this before, I don't know what size glove fits. And so um, I, yeah. I wonder out of that, you know, whether it's gloves or suits or, you know, size of your, of your hive, um, how much of that kind of education process has, have you been able to do through, through the content that you put out where um, people are buying products that are a better fit for them? Have you seen that kind of correlation there? Yes, I definitely have. So I get, uh, originally my blog started as, uh, I'm going to answer the questions that people ask me the most so that like when I, when I get that email, I can, I can point people in a direction, not just so that like I can just move on to the next email or whatever, but, but it, something that gives them a really good answer. Um, so I, I, would, I wrote like a lot of content that was built around these basic questions that every beginner has to answer before they get started. And when I talk to beginners in, in classes, um, I always talk about the, you have all these decisions that are in front of you. And the, the general feeling is that all of them are as important as all the other ones, but that's just not true. Like you, you, you get kind of caught up in this, like, well, do I wear a jacket or do I wear a suit? You know, like, mm. do like, are they gonna, are they gonna attack me and I need a suit or is the jacket perfectly fine? Yeah. So there's all these things that like, 
don't really matter that much when you get started. And, but there's things that really do matter. So I, I wrote a lot of content so that I could answer the things that actually do matter that are difficult to change later. And I, and I would teach the same way too. And just say like, we can talk about all those other things that, that you're, that are in front of you, but really here are the three things that you need to buy. And here are the three decisions that you need to make now before you even get these. Yeah. Do you have, do you kind of carve out um, time in, in every week to, to create new content or was that something that you really had to front load at the, at the front of your business? I definitely had to front load it. And, uh, and I, I go through these spurts and my business is very, if, I say it's seasonal, but uh, my wife will say that the seasons get longer every single year. So before, <laughs> when I was starting, it was like, I was only busy in April and now it's, right. and then it was like March and April and now it's like February through July. <laughs> um, and so like beekeeping is kind of seasonal, but like I do most of my sales in the second quarter. Uh, so by the time the, the, the third and fourth quarter come around, I'm not doing as much. So I have more time to actually write that content. So I've, one of those things I've delegated this year is having some help writing content that doesn't require my knowledge. So, and it's, it's very basic things like, um, like what is a swarm? Like, you know, people are Googling that and they want to know that, and I can have somebody else write that content and I can write the more, um, uh, cornerstone content that like, I really like that matters a lot. Like it's like, I wrote this because I want it to be the best answer possible, um, on the internet for this question. And yeah. like, so like, I've got, I call them my like five, like cornerstone beekeeping 101 questions because they're like between the five of them, they're five different blogs. I probably wrote like 30,000 words between all of them. And I, and there's a little bit of like a divide of like, should you just write 200 words in a blog be short and sweet? Or should you write like this empirical content that almost seems overwhelming? Um, and I just, I just chose to write the giant piece of content that has more information than you could ever need. But, um, but that's just, that's just kind of the strategy I went with for that type of uh, blog. Yeah. If, so if you were, if you were talking to, you know, another small business and they're trying to figure out, you know, their, their content strategy, like how do they, how do they come up with, um, you know, the right content that's going to drive people to, you know, to their site, answer the right questions. Um, what, what would you tell somebody? Write good content, like answer the, answer the question. Like if someone is looking for an answer, you need to answer it and you need to answer it well. Yeah. And maybe that doesn't like, maybe that doesn't convert into a sale, but it converts into somebody hanging on your website for a long time. And then what happens is, is some, and you write some other piece of content that probably does convert to a sale more often. Um, and that, that post will get pushed up a whole lot more just because people are spending a lot of time on your website. And that was one of those things that I wrote that really long content is because I want people to be on that page for a long time. And I want like Google to get that information that says like, Hey, whatever this person was looking at, they found a good source for it. And they're watching videos and they're reading and they're clicking. Uh, and that just helps my website like overall, um, which is you, you like content is like very important when you're doing e-commerce stuff because e-commerce is on the internet, right? It's electronic commerce and you're yeah. just trying to get people to your site. So you, you've got to address, um, you got to address those questions that people have on the internet. 
Yeah, no, I think that's, that's so awesome. Anytime you, you focus on value first for the customer, um, rather than trying to, you know, game the system, whether it's, whether it's SEO or, or, you know, um, whatever algorithm you're trying to, to beat, to get in front of your customers, I think starting with, with quality content is such good advice. Um, and I think it's, that's missed a lot, um, where, you know, it's, it's just, you know, everyone knows, you know, you got to put out content, you got to, you know, speak to certain keywords and, and, you know, you can go down that, those rabbit holes of, um, keyword analysis and, um, and, and, you know, short tail and long tail. And, um, and I think though, if you, if you kind of back up and and that's why I love that advice for small businesses, you know, I don't, I don't have, um, a thousand dollars a month to put into, you know, paying for, for really good SEO, really good content. I just have, you know, a few hours (laughs) out of my week that I can commit, um, concentrate that on really quality content that that's going to bring value to your audience. And then, um, then like you said, the the audience is going to do, um, do the algorithm work for you. You know, they're going to, they're going to spend time on your website. They're going to click more. They're going to, um, you know, maybe they'll buy, buy things, maybe they won't, but either way, they're, they're going to give that value back to you in the form of, of really high quality, um, site visits and, and, um, you know, and, and revisits. So, yeah. And it takes, it takes a long time for it to pay off as well too. So if, if you're, if you're just starting this e-commerce stuff, uh, what you have probably is time. You don't, you don't have money, but you have time. And if you're, if you're starting in a, in a particular niche or field, you probably know something about it. So you have something that you can offer. Um, and writing that content early pays off in, in a year or two, which sounds like forever. But like with my business, like I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not trying to get out of it pretty quickly. Um, so if, you're, if you feel like you're going to be in it for the for long haul or even just for like two years, writing that content now um, develops a lot of um, uh, a lot of good like search results over the next like, year or two, but it's not going to, it's not going to deliver a lot in, in a month or so. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really helpful. Well, awesome. Hey, well, Adam, I appreciate your time. Um, this has been super interesting. I love getting outside of um, <laughs> kind of the normal um, brick and mortar or, or even normal e-commerce um, and hearing about, about beekeeping. So I appreciate you sharing and, um, and, and giving advice to the, the audience today. Yeah, well, thanks, Malcolm. I appreciate the, the time. It's, it's good to talk about just something fun. I mean, we talk about business. We talk about bees. Uh, we talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. Anyone listening, if you know what Bitcoin is going to do in the next, um, you know, really any time period, um, Adam and I would love to know. Yes. So <laughs> awesome. Well, um, we'll we'll drop um, all all your contact info in the show notes. But um, but if you can give it to us real quick, where what's the, the easiest way for people to to find you online? Um, you can go to my website. It's foxhoundbeecompany.com. But what's easier than that is uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just foxhoundbeeco. Uh, and we post a lot of like just fun content and educational stuff on there. Uh, so it's not just, hey, buy my widget. It's, it's more like, hey, this is what bees are doing in the hive. Um, so that's, those are great places to follow us. Awesome. I love it. Well, go check out Adam and, and Foxhound Bee Company. And uh, appreciate you being on the show today, Adam. Okay. Thanks, Malcolm. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Invest Local Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories.